Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Hussein Kamani. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free, and your donation ensures we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has thousands of listeners, so the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting our efforts is endless. You never know who will be able to benefit from your donation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa. Wa salamun ala ibadihi allati nastafa. Khususan ala Sayyidir Rasuli wa Khatamil Anbiya. Wa ala alihi laskiya. Wa ashabihi latqiya. Amma ba'd. Today, insha'Allah al-Aziz, we will discuss the life of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam otherwise in English known as Jesus peace be upon him. In the Quran we find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala making frequent mention of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. He is mentioned in so many places, in so many different chapters, and quite frequently mentioned by name. In some places Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to him as Isa, his actual birth name, some places we find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioning him as Al-Masih. This is the title of Isa alayhi salam. Why he was called Masih, we'll cover that later on in class. Some places he's referred to as Ibn Maryam, the son of Maryam. And like this, different names and titles are used to make reference to Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. His mention is present in 13 different surahs. We find in Surah Al-Baqarah, in five verses, Surah Ali Imran, in almost 24 verses, um, Surah Nisa, he is mentioned there, Al Ma'idah, Surah Al An'am, Surah At Tawbah, obviously in great detail in Surah Maryam, Surah Al Mu'minun, Surah Al Ahzab, Surah Al Shura, Surah Al Zukhruf, Surah Al Hadid, and lastly, Surah Al Saf. These are the 13 different surahs Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes reference to and mentions Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. The story of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam without his mother would be complete. Maryam alayhi salam. May Allah be pleased with her. We've covered her previously while discussing the life of Sayyidina Zakaria alayhi salam in quite some detail. So I won't go into too much detail about who she was and her uh, special birth and how she was an inspiration for a great prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Zakaria alayhi salam what I will say though is that in the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions her with great praise in surah Ali Imran verse number 42 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَإِذْ قَالَتِ الْمَلَائِكَةُ يَا مَرْيَمُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَاكِ وَطَهَّرَكِ وَاصْطَفَاكِ عَلَى نِسَاءِ الْعَالَمِينَ and and remember, and, and remember the mention when the angels said, even though here it says angels, majority of the Mufassirun, they say this is referring to one angel, and that was Jibreel alayhi salam. It's possible he may have been present with a group of angels, but the person that actually spoke to her was one person, and that was Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam. Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi discusses this in detail and explains the linguistic nuance in relation to using the plural malaika instead of just the singular, which I will not go into. 
Ya Maryam, inna Allah astafaki o Maryam, indeed Allah has selected you, He has chosen you. Istafa is to carefully select something, carefully choose something. Watahharaki and He has purified you. Wastafaki ala nisa il alameen and He has selected you over all of the women of the world. Now note in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions istafa twice. He says, inna Allah astafaki, Allah has selected you. Then he says, وَطَهَرَكِ Allah has purified you. And then again Allah says, وَاصْطَفَاكِ عَلَى نِسَاءِ الْعَالَمِينَ He has selected you over all the women in the world. Why is the word istafa mentioned twice? Is it redundant or are there two different things that Allah is referring to? This is something we'll discuss shortly. But before that, many scholars have taken this verse and they have deduced that Maryam السلام, was a prophet of Allah because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says regarding her, istafaki. Allah has selected you. Allah has selected you over women, all the women of the world. The scholars have differed in opinion regarding were there female prophets or not. There's one group of scholars from amongst them are Muhammad ibn Ishaq, Abu Hassan al-Ashari, Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi and Ibn Hazm al-Andalusi rahimahumullahu ta'ala. These scholars were proponents of the opinion that there were prophets who were women. Ibn Hazm went very far and he came up with a strong list. He said Hawa was a prophet, Sarah was a prophet, Hajar was a prophet, both of whom were wives of Ibrahim salam. Umm Musa, the mother of Musa salam, was a prophet, Asiya, the wife of Fir'aun was also a prophet, and finally on his list he has the name of Maryam salam. On the other side, you have a group of scholars who say that there were no female prophets. All of the, prophet were, all of the prophets were men. From amongst them were the likes of Hassan al-Basri rahmatullahi alayhi, Imam al-Haramain rahmatullahi alayhi, Qadir Iyad al-Maliki rahmatullahi alayhi, Ibn Kathir rahmatullahi alayhi, and the list continues on. Ibn Kathir rahmatullahi alayhi and Qadir Iyad al-Maliki, they said, they said that the Jamhur hold this position, which means majority of the scholars hold the second position. That prophets, prophets were men, they were not women. And Imam al-Haramain went very far. He went as far to say that there is a consensus upon this. Clearly there is not a consensus because there is a difference of opinion. And on both sides, as you've seen, the names that I have quoted are respectable, honorable, knowledgeable, uh, great giants. So this is not an issue that can be easily brushed to the side because the opinions and the proofs on both sides are very strong. We commonly hear the proofs of the second group. They quote the ayah, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ إِلَّا رِجَالًا نُوحِي إِلَيْهِمْ in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that prophets were sent as men. We had always sent إِلَّا رِجَالًا نُوحِي إِلَيْهِمْ but men who, were, who we would reveal to. Um, as for Maryam alayhi salam being a prophet, they say that's not that's not true because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly says in the Quran, مَا الْمَسِيحُ بْنُ مَرْيَمَ إِلَّا رَسُولُ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلُ وَأُمُّهُ صِدِّيقًا That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Masih, the son of Maryam, was not, a, not but a messenger. مَا الْمَسِيحُ بْنُ مَرْيَمَ إِلَّا رَسُولُ He was not but a messenger. قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلُ Many prophets have passed by before. وَأُمُّهُ صِدِّيقًا his mother was a Siddiqa. And they say Siddiq is a maqam, it's a level beneath Nubuwa. Abu Bakr was a Siddiq. Rasulullah was a Nabi. He was a Rasul. This is the argument they present against. However, the people who claim that there were female prophets, they have some um, good arguments 
that could be considered while having this discussion. The first is they say that when we see Maryam is mentioned in Surah Maryam, we find that it is mentioned along with the mention of prophets. وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ مُوسَى وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ إِدْرِيسِ وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ إِسْمَاعِيلِ And at the beginning of all of them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ مَرْيَمِ So they say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the same language is referring to prophets in their stories. So why wouldn't this be a story from those stories? The second argument they present is they say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends Jibreel alayhi salam to her. فَأَرْسَلْنَا إِلَيْهَا رُوحَنَا And Jibreel alayhi salam was only sent to only prophets. قَالَ إِنَّمَا أَنَا رَسُولُ رَبِّكَ لِأَهَبَ لَكِ غُلَامًا زَكِيَّةً Jibreel alayhi salam said this himself that I am not but a messenger from your Lord. And lastly, as for the point وَأُمُّهُ السِّدِّيقَةً that his mother was a Siddiqah, therefore we say she is not a Rasul. Those who are of the position that she was a Prophet, Ibn Hazm al-Zahidi in particular, he's authored um, a detailed treatise on this issue. He says that being called a Siddiq does not negate someone being a Prophet. And then he cites an example, Yusuf ayyuha Siddiq. That in the Qur'an we find the people refer to Yusuf salam who by consensus was a prophet, is being referred to as a Siddiq. So there is a debate and discussion from both sides. Um, if we were to take the position of Imam Ibn Kathir, it would not be an exaggeration, which is that majority of the scholars have held the position that there were not female prophets. This is actually an accurate representation of the tradition. Majority of the scholars were of the position that prophets were sent amongst men. Now why not the opposite and so on? This is something that we've covered in the opening classes of this series when we were introducing what prophets are, who prophets are, what are their responsibilities and so on. We covered this in the muqaddimat, in the introductory discussions. We will not cover it again now. Moving forward. In Surah Al-Imran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Maryam salam and Isa salam mentioned in some detail. In order to appreciate this, you have to understand there was a year in the life of the Prophet ﷺ known as Amul Wufud, the year of the delegates. Majority of the scholars of Sira, the Prophet's biography and history, they are of the position that this year of delegations was the year after the conquest of Makkah Mukarramah. The Muslims had now conquered Makkah, which was the major city of the Arabian Peninsula. So now the smaller villages, smaller towns, the Bedouins needed to figure out where their allegiance would be. Whether they would be friends or foes with the Muslims. So they began to send delegations to Medina Munawwara because this is where the Prophet ﷺ lived. This year became known as Amul Wufud because many delegations came. Amongst the delegations that arrived in Medina Munawwara that year, there was a delegation that came from the northern part of Yemen known as Najran. Najaran was a hub of Christianity. There were many Christian scholars there, people openly practiced Christianity there, many churches there. They sent a delegation of 40 priests to discuss with the Prophet ﷺ. They came to Medina Munawwara and they challenged the Prophet ﷺ to a public debate. Nabi ﷺ did not generally engage in public debate. It wasn't something he enjoyed, something he didn't do. If you were to count the number of times he engaged in public debate, you can gather them on one hand in his 63 years life and 23 years of Nabuwa. This is one of those times where the Prophet ﷺ said, accept it. 
You want a public discussion? Accept it. But there will be some conditions. And there were some conditions laid out. From amongst the conditions, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that the debate will happen tomorrow. Another thing he said was, I will not speak with all 40 of you. There will be a, point, a person appointed as a representative. You can feed your thoughts to him, but I will only speak with one person. Because we can't have a discussion of 40 uh, with one person. The next day, the Sahaba, they described the scene. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came to the masjid. Some riwayat actually vividly describe where everyone was sitting. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came to the front of the mosque. There was a pillar there. He sat against the pillar when he engaged with them. That pillar is marked till today. If you go there at the top of the pillar, it says Ustuwanatul Wufud. The pillar the Prophet ﷺ sat against when he engaged with the delegates and also with the Wafd of Najran. Another interesting observation the companions make is that when Nabi ﷺ came to engage with them, he wore a special garment. Anyone know where he wore? Out of all of the things he could have worn, what did he wear when he came to speak with the, with this, with the Christians from Yemen? He wore a Yemeni garment. He wore a Yemeni garment, which is a very powerful uh, statement of the Prophet ﷺ. Someone could have said, this is the garment of the kuffar, because clearly Yemen was not Muslim at the time. Someone could have said, you're doing tashabbuh bil kuffar, you're imitating the kuffar, this is not permitted. Nabi ﷺ had a garment he wore, he had many garments at home. Why did he choose to wear this one? He wore that one because that was a garment they would be familiar with. And that was a gesture from his side to them that I'm not here to engage in a hostile discussion. I just want to have a healthy discussion. They began to pose questions. There were 40 of them sitting in front. Nabi ﷺ sitting on one side. They began to pose their questions. They thought they were going to crush him because 40 on one, what are the chances the one is going to be able to outsmart 40? But they forgot to realize Nabi ﷺ had a plus one and that was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they posed a question to the Prophet ﷺ. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would lower his head, sweat would perspire, the companions knew exactly what was going on. He was getting revelation. He would raise his head, read a verse. They would bring another objection, again. And this is what happened for majority of the discussion. They would bring a, up uh, an objection against the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a verse would come. And this is where majority of Surah Ali Imran was revealed. During the discussion the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had with the, with the weft, with the delegation of Najran. Now these verses are also revealed as a part of the ayat in Surah Ali Imran. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Sayyidina Maryam alayhi salam, Inna Allah astafaki wa tahharaki wa astafaki ala nisa'il alameen. So as I mentioned, istafa means to choose, it means to select. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions istafa twice. So are the two the same? Is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being redundant? Some ulama they say, It's very unlikely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would just mention the same thing twice. Each one holds a different meaning. If they hold a different meaning, what are the different meanings? The first istifa mentioned where Allah says, I selected you, what is it for? Some ulama they say what this means is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specially selected her and gave her the opportunity to dedicate her entire life to worship something that was not common to other women at that time and in that region. This was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selecting her. The second group of scholars, they say, Hassan al-Basri says, Allah 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selected her for a miracle. That when she was young, she was handed off by her mother to her uncle, Zakaria alayhi salam, or her brother-in-law, Zakaria alayhi salam. We covered the two opinions in our last class. And Zakaria alayhi salam took care of her and her sustenance came from Jannah. It came from paradise. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, this is us selecting you and choosing you that your sustenance came from, min indillah, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third position is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we selected you because she spoke with angels directly, shafahan, directly, without any barrier. Jibreel alayhi salam came to her, he spoke to her, he blew into her a spirit, a soul, Therefore, she was selected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for the second istifa, the second selection that Allah reminds her, we chose you over all of the women of the world, that was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed her with Isa alayhi salam without a father. And this was a miracle that she had that no other person in the world had. You know, we find four different models of procreation or creation of the human being. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ مَثَلَ عِيسَىٰ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ كَمَثَلِ Adam." That one example is of Adam He was born without a father and without a mother. Purely and only by the command of Allah kun, which is the Arabic word for be, fayakun, he came into existence. The second is the example of Hawa, Adam salam's wife. She was born from Adam salam, but she had no mother. The third was the honor that given to Maryam salam that she conceived a son without a father. There was no father to this child. And then the last, which is a common method of birth, where you are born through father and mother, therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding her, No other woman in the world can ever claim that you are not special. That's why the Muslim perspective on Maryam salam is a very special one. You look at the Jewish perspective on Maryam salam, and there's a lot of slander, a lot of... Uh, accusations Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that our punishment descended upon these people because of their disbelief and because of the great accusation they made against Maryam they said that she engaged in extramarital relations they claimed that she had engaged in haram illicit relationships such a big claim against a lady who was so honorable, so special the mother of a prophet and here, we look at the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying regarding that very same lady that the Jews had evil words to say about, وَأُمُّهُ الصِّدِّيقَةِ That his mother was a very special lady. She was a very truthful lady. Okay. The second thing we see regarding Maryam alayhi salam is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam honored her. An entire chapter of the Qur'an is named after Maryam, the chapter of Mary, chapter of Maryam. We don't find any other prophet's mother, wife, daughter being mentioned in the Qur'an. Even the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him himself, there is no chapter in the Qur'an named after his wives. No chapter in the Qur'an named after his mother. No chapter in the Qur'an named after any of his daughters, even though his daughters were special. His mothers were very special. Allah mentions them in the Qur'an, however a chapter being named after them did not happen. But there is in the Qur'an an entire chapter dedicated to the name of Sayyida, um, um, Sayyida Maryam alayhi salam, the great um, mother of the Prophet Isa alayhi salam.
I, I think that many people who are not Muslim, they are foreign to this idea. They assume that because other religions are hostile toward Muslims, naturally Muslims must be hostile to those religions too. There is no doubt that there is disagreement on matters of principle. If I disagree with the idea of the Holy Trinity, I will be very vocal about that and be clear that I disagree with this. But as for what we respect, that is very clear. The respect that Muslims give to Maryam is special. It's very unique. I was once at an interfaith event and somehow I was just talking about something and I mentioned that I had a niece named Maryam. And then I continued on the lecture. In the Q&A, one person raised their hand and said, did you say your niece's name was Mary? I said, yeah. She said, why? Why are you guys naming your children after, you know, a figure in our religion? So I said, because she's a figure in our religion too. You may think that you can curse at the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and you would offend us, but you have to realize that if you offended if you were disrespectful to any prophet, if anyone drew an, a foul picture against Isa salam, as a Muslim, I would be as offended. If anyone said a foul word against Musa salam, I would be as offended. When people draw inappropriate pictures against Maryam salam, that's something that I would never tolerate. You know, I was once sitting at someone's house and they were watching Family Guy. And there was an episode, almost every episode has something to say about Christianity. And they were poking fun at Maryam salam and Isa salam. And I said to this person, if you're a Muslim, how could you sit here and watch this and find this entertaining? Your faith is in question to me. And I'm not the type of person that throws people under the bus. It's not something I enjoy, but this is a legitimate concern. You can't sit here while being entertained if someone is making mockery out of a person, a personality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَاكِ وَطَهَّرَكِ now in between these two istifa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also describes her and says tahharaki, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purified you. What does this mean? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purified her from many ways. The first approach that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purified her from was that she never engaged in any disbelief. She never disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says regarding the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُذْهِبَ عَنْكُمُ الرِّجْسَ أَهْلَ الْبَيْتِ وَيُطَهِّرَكُمْ تَطْهِرًا Secondly, أَنَّهُ تَعَالَى طَهَّرَهَا عَلْ مَسِيسِ الرِّجَالِ Allah purified her. What that means is that no male ever touched her inappropriately. وَثَالِثُهَا And the third opinion, some scholars hold, this is a weak position by the way, but nonetheless it's one quoted and I wish to share it. طَهَّرَهَا عَلِ الْحَيْثِ وَكَانَتْ مَرْيَمَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ لَا تَحِيثِ This third position supposes that Maryam never menstruated. And based on that, they say Allah purified her from experiencing her menstrual cycle. Now this is not a common position and has been commonly refuted amongst Muslim scholars for many reasons, some of which we will cover later on when we discuss where Maryam was and why she was there, why she was bathing when, when Jibreel came to her and informed her of the arrival of her son, Sayyidina Isa We'll cover that there in more detail. Some scholars say Allah purified you from immoral, inappropriate acts. 
خامسها تهرك عن مقالة اليهود وتهمتهم وكذبهم. Allah has purified you from the false accusations that the Jews are making against you that you engaged in inappropriate conduct. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has purified you and no such thing happened. In the following verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says to Maryam alayhi salam, because whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favors someone, they have a responsibility. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favors you with knowledge, you have a responsibility to mankind to teach that knowledge. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has favored you with authority, you have a responsibility of justice. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses you with wealth, you have a responsibility of giving charity and taking care of those who may not have the resources that you have access to. Everyone is blessed and you have a responsibility to that blessing. Now, Allah said, we blessed you. What's your responsibility? Ya Maryam rabbiki warka'i Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells her, O oh Maryam, uqnuti li rabbik, be devout to your Lord. Wasjudi and go into prostration. Warka'i and bow in front of your Lord. Ma'arraki'een with those who bow. What does this mean when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ukhunuti, be devout to your Lord? Some scholars they say that this Ukhunuti, Ya Maryam Ukhunuti, Ma'anahu Ya Maryam Qumi. What that means is, O Maryam, stand. Waqumu lillahi qaniteen. Stand devoutly respectfully, attentively in front of your Lord when you worship Him. Wasjudi and bow down, prostrate in front of Him. Go onto the ground and do sajda in front of Him. Sajda refers to the act of putting your forehead on the soil, on the ground, while humbling yourself in front of your great master. Bow in front of your Lord, prostrate in front of your Lord. Warka'i ma'arraki'een and bow in front of your Lord with those who bow. There's a small little discussion here some scholars they have. They say, لِمَا قُدِّمَ الذِّكْرُ السُّجُودِ عَلَىٰ ذِكْرِ الرُّكُوعِ When you look at the method of salah, does ruku' come first or does sajda come first? Ruku' comes first, you bow first, and then you go into prostration as Muslims when we pray. This is the sequence we have. So why did Allah say to her, prostrate first and bow second? It seems to be the wrong tartib, the wrong sequence. So the ulama, they say there are many reasons for this. One possibility, which is a very obvious possibility that it's possible in her religion the sequence was the other way around which means they did sajda first in their prayer and did ruku' later on that's one possibility the second possibility they say the closest a person can be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is when they are in sajda, when they are on the ground, because you're really humbling yourself. When do you find someone putting their forehead on the ground for someone else? If I told you to put your forehead on the ground for another person, you would refuse to do it. Why would I do that? The only being that you would ever bow so low for is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, the Prophet said, the closest a person can be to his creator is when he is in prostration. When she is in prostration, when their forehead is on the ground, when they are alone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some scholars, they say the word sajda here, it says wasjudi. It's actually in the meaning of praying. Because it's common in the Arabic language that you mention a part of something while making reference to the entirety of it. Do you guys understand? You can say, I ate the head of the fish, which can also mean I ate the, the entire fish. So this is one opinion. قَوْلُهُ وَسْجُدِي أَيْ صَلِّي فَكَانَ الْمُرَادُ مِنْ هَذَا السُّجُودِ الصَّلَاةِ 
that it means to, um, the sajda is telling us to pray. Warka'i ma'ar raki'een is telling her to pray in jama'ah. Warka'i ma'ar raki'een, imma an yakuna amran laha bil salati bil jama'ah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, and, and bow with those that bow. There should be a prayer that's alone, and then there needs to be a prayer that's in congregation with the group of people. The Mufassirun, they write that when Allah, when the angels commanded her, When the angels came with this message to her and gave her a direct command that Allah is telling you to prostrate and stand in prayer and bow down in front of your Lord, قامت مريم عليه السلام مريم عليه السلام stood في الصلاة in prayer حتى ورمت قدماه until her feet began to swell up. And there began to have the swelling began to start. And you know, when something swells, there is a liquid that comes out of it. And then sometimes blood may also even pour out. So she stood for long hours and long nights praying in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In verse number 45 of Surah Al Imran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, If Qalatil Malaika to Ya Maryam, Inna Allah Yubashiruki Bikalimatim min Husmuhu al Masihu, Isa bin Maryama, Wajihan fid dunya wal akhira, Wamin al Mukarabin. And remember and recall the moment when the angel said, O oh Maryam, O oh Mary, indeed Allah gives you glad tidings of a word from Him, of a word from Him. This is referring to Isa alayhi salam, Prophet Jesus. Why is Allah referring to him as a word from him? I'll discuss in that shortly. Minhu, ismuhu. His name will be Al-Masih. His name will be the Messiah, Masih. Isa ibn Maryam. Isa, the son of Maryam. Al-Masih is the laqab. This is common in the Arabic language that before you say someone's name, you mention their, their attributes or any title that belongs to them. You would say, for example, Shaykh Qamr al-Zaman. If the guy's name was Qamr al-Zaman, you would say Shaykh first. Imam al-Muhaddithin, Muhammad ibn Ismail al-Bukhari. So you mention the laqab first, and then you mention the name. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Al-Masih, which is his title, Isa ibn Maryam, Isa the son of Maryam. Wajihan fi dunya wal akhira. He is distinguished in the world and in the hereafter. And he is from those that Allah has brought near to him. He is from the very close servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now let's break down some of the words mentioned in the ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to Isa alayhi salam as kalima, which means a statement or a word. The ulama, they say the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala referred to him as kalima is because he was born through the word of Allah without the presence of a father. Do you guys understand? He was born through the word of Allah, and the word of Allah was kun, which means be. And because his birth was unnatural without the presence of a father, and he was born through the command of Allah, therefore he is referred to as al-kalimah. Just as kalimatullah, the word of Allah. The word of Allah means he was born through the word of Allah. In, in the Arabic language, this is actually very common. Sometimes you... Um, right? For example, someone who is generous, you call him generous Rather than being the one who possesses gener generosity Or for example, in the Arabic language, I'll give you another example We say uh, in the Quran, Baytullah, the house of Allah This does not mean that Allah lives there, rather it means Baytun Lillah it means a house that belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ardullah, Ardun Lillah. 
that this is a land that belongs to Allah. That's why understanding the Arabic language and how it's used is important in order to understand what the Quran is actually saying. Kalimatu, his word. What that means is he was a word. He was created from a word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, he's being referred to as his word. Some ulama, they say, Actually, another example I'll give you since we're here. For those who can appreciate the Arabic language and its nuance, this is beneficial to you. You also refer to, in Islam, in Islam, a Sultan al-Adil, a just ruler, is referred to as Dhulullah. He is referred to as Dhulullah. Dhulullah means the shade of Allah. Now naturally, we know as Muslims, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no shade. So what does this mean, Dhulullah? What this actually means is that through this person, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, أَنَّهُ سَبَبٌ لِذُهُورِ ذُلِّ الْعَدْلِ Through this person, Allah is allowing the shade of justice to manifest itself on the earth. So rather than saying all of that, that He is the shade of justice manifesting on the earth, you just say, the shade of Allah, ذُلُّ Similarly, um, we also have the idea of Nurullah, the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It doesn't mean a person is actually a light of Allah. Rather, this person is a light of guidance sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you have to learn to understand the Arabic language when reading these texts. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then introduced Isa alayhi salam, ismuhu Masih, that he is Masih. What does this mean, the Messiah, Masih? What does this actually mean? The scholars differ in opinion whether the word Masih is an Arabic word or whether it's a non-Arabic word imported into the Arabic language. Whether it's Mu'arrab or whether it's Arabi itself. Mu'arrab means something that's been adopted and brought into the Arabic language. Okay. Qala Abu Ubaidah wal Layth. Abu Ubaidah and al Layth, they say, Asluhu bil This is not an Arabic word. This is actually a foreign word that was brought into the Arabic language. Asluhu mashih. They say the actual root of this word, the actual pronunciation of this word is Mashih. And it's common for the Arabs that when they take a letter with a sheen in it, it's common they turn it into a seen when they read it in Arabic. For example, Musa is actually pronounced as Mushe. The actual name of Musa salam, that his mother called him was not Musa, it was actually Musha or Mushe. But when you make it Mu'arab, when you bring it to the Arabic language, it becomes Musa. Similarly, Isa, according to many scholars, Asluhu Yashur. Asluhu. Isa's actual name was Yashur. But when you bring it to the Arabic language, it becomes Isa. So this is an Arabization of a word. Therefore, they say this is the first position that this is actually uh, a foreign word that's been adopted into the Arabic language. The second position is that this is actually an Arabic word which is derived from Arabic roots, and this is the position of majority of the linguists and Muslim scholars. Ibn Abbas radiallahu an, the companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِنَّمَا سُمِّيَ عِيسَى عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ مَسِيحًا لِأَنَّهُ كَانَ مَا يَمْسَحُ بِيَدِهِ ذَا عَهْدٍ إِلَّا بُرِئَ مِنْ مَرَضِهِ That Isa alayhi salam, masaha means to touch. What's one of the meanings of masaha? To touch something. Isa alayhi salam would touch the sick person, and they would be cured. Therefore, a lot of his miracles involved touching, and because he touched a lot, he was then known as Masih. This is one opinion. The second opinion is held by Ahmad ibn Yahya. 
He used to travel a lot. And someone who travels a lot, Isa is known for traveling. If you read his stories, even in the Bible, and even in some Muslim books, you'll find that they mention he traveled here, he met this person, he traveled there, he went this person, he met that person. He was known as someone who traveled a lot. And in the Arabic language, someone who travels the earth and covers a lot of ground is also known as Masih. Another position some scholars have held is that that he was known for putting his hand on the heads of orphans. And again, as I mentioned, touching something is called masah. Therefore, because he was constantly wiping his hand out of love and affection over the head of orphans, he is called masih. Now, according to these positions, this is where it gets a little linguistic and nerdy. So if you don't appreciate the Arabic language, just mute for the next 30 seconds. Um, according to these opinions, the word Masih, which is on the scale of Fa'il, is actually in the meaning of Fa'il. Do you guys understand that? So there's a scale in the Arabic language, Fa'il. What's the scale, guys? Fa'ilun. This is a scale. Okay? This scale is a little unique. Because it can come in both meanings. It can come in the meaning of ism fa'il or in the meaning of ism maf'ul. Ism fa'il means someone who does something. Rahim can mean one of two things. As I said to you, either it can come in the meaning of the one who does it or the one who it was done upon. Now you can say Rahim means the one who does mercy, the one who shows mercy, meaning of, meaning the meaning of Rahim. And now you can attribute this word to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If Rahim comes in the meaning of Marhum, the one who mercy was shown to, you can no longer attribute this noun to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you guys understand? So the scale fa'ilun comes in the meaning of either someone doing something, and if he did something, either he walked a lot, that's why he's called Masih, either he touched people and they became cured, that's why he's called Masih, or he touched the orphan, he is the doer on all of these things. Therefore, it's in the meaning of fa'ilun. Now the second group of scholars, they say no, fa'il is in the meaning of maf'ul which means the masah, whatever this word means, was done upon him. In that scenario, there are a few propositions as well. مَسِيحًا لِأَنَّهُ مَسَحَهُ جِبْرِيلَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ بِجَنَاحِهِ وَقْتَ وِلَادَتِهِ لِيَكُونَ ذَلِكَ صَوْنًا لَهُ عَنْ مَسِّ الشَّيْطَانِ He was the touched one. What this means is that at the time of his birth, Jibreel touched him with his wing to protect him from any influence or any touching of the devil of shaitan. And because he is touched, now he is called Masih. Some scholars they say, Summiya Masihan li'annahu kharaja min batni ummihi mamsuhan bidduhn. That there was a fragrance that had touched him before he emitted from his mother's womb. Duhn is like an oil which also refers to fragrance. When he came out of his mother's womb, there was a scent that came with him. Therefore, since he had been touched with the scent, he is called Masih. Anyway, so these are different positions. Some ulama, they've gone far. Abu Amr ibn al-Ala, he says, Al-Masih al-Malak. He says, Masih, Messiah means to be a king. Al-Nakha'i says, Al-Masih al-Siddiq. Messiah means to be truthful. But the truth is, these last two positions, um, maybe they looked at the meaning from the perspective of a praise, not necessarily its linguistic roots. Because the linguistic roots of Masaha, Masih, does not go back to being a king, and neither does it go back to being truthful. Now, What's tricky is this very same word, Masih, is also used for the Antichrist, for the Jal. Now you're wondering, if the word Masih refers to Isa alayhi salam, 
who is such an honorable creation of Allah, then why is it referring, why is that same word used to refer to Dajjal, the Antichrist, one of the greatest trials and you know, an enemy of mankind? So the answer to this is, as I mentioned earlier, it's very common in the Arabic language for one word to have many meanings. Some ulama they say, "Amma Masihu Dajjal, fa inna ma sumiya Masihan li ahadi wajhain ahaduhuma li annahu mamsuhu ahad al ainain." That it's possible that he is called Dajjal, Masihu Dajjal, Antichrist, because he will not have one eye, and one of them will be flat. And then how I said to cover a ground like flat eye. And another group of scholars they say. Um, that he is called Masih al-Dajjal because he will also travel a lot through the earth spreading his impurity and causing confusion amongst people. So if you take the traveling meaning, Isa salam traveled excessively, Dajjal traveled excessively. Dajjal traveled to spread disbelief, while Isa salam traveled to spread belief. And we as Muslims believe that their traveling will one day cr- cause them to cross paths. And Kufr and Iman will meet and on that day, Isa salam will destroy the Jal and show him who the real Masih actually is. Alhamdulillah. In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also refers to, in this very same verse, to Isa salam as wajih. The word wajih is used. Wajihan fid dunya. I translated it, if I remember correctly, as dignified. Someone special. Wajihan fid dunya wal akhirah. The word wajih means someone with honor. Al-wajihu dhuljah. Jah means like sharaf, an honor. So dhul jah, that's why the scholars they say you should avoid hubbul jah. You should avoid the love of honor. Because when you become obsessed with being honored, you become some sort, somewhat narcissistic. So Imam Ghazali talks about this a lot, the illnesses of hubbul jah, the love of honor and prestige. So wajih means someone who has honor and prestige. And there is no question that Isa salam was an honorable man and he was also given great prestige by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This very same word wajih is also used in another place of the Quran describing and praising Prophet Moses, Musa alayhi salam. Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu la takunu kalladheena aadhaw Musa fabarra'ahu allahu mimma qalu wa kana indallahi wajiha. In that place in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Ahzab, verse number 69, that Musa alayhi salam was wajih, a dignified man, someone who had great... Um, love and honor. Someone can say, how is he dignified? How is Isa salam dignified if the Jews trashed him so much during his life? They stood against him, they opposed him, they tried to kill him. So what kind of honor is this? So the answer to this, the ulama, they write, قَدْ ذَكَرْنَا أَنَّهُ تَعَالَى سَمَّى مُوسَى عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامْ بِالْوَجِيهِ مَا أَنَّ الْيَهُودَ الطَّعَانُ فِيهِ The Jews also were abusive to Musa السلام, but he was also wajih. Isa salam was abused, he is also wajih. Which teaches us that sometimes the people around you may not appreciate you, but what matters is if your Allah appreciates you or not. You could be appreciated by people, but not appreciated by Allah. What appreciation is that? But you could be neglected by people, but yet your creator, your master, your God, your Allah appreciates you. He appreciates your sacrifice. The, world, the people in the world may not appreciate your tears. That's why sometimes the world can feel very lonely. And it's hard to find a friend that appreciates you because human beings are not good at appreciating people. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appreciates every person that does good. You shed a tear and call out to him, he appreciates you. You bow in front of him, he appreciates you. You stand during the night, he appreciates you. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُضِيعُ أَجْرَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never waste any good action of yours. 
If you ever have the desire to do something good, do it. Because know you will be fully compensated and appreciated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says in Surah Ali Imran, وَيُكَلِّمُ النَّاسَ فِي الْمَهْدِ وَكَهْلِ That he will speak to people from the Mahd, Mahd, Meem, Ha, Dal, Mahd. And also he will speak to people, Kahl. I'll explain both of these words. Mahd, according to the scholars, refers to the cradle. It's a platform that a child lies on when they're young, which we call a cradle, or you may call it a crib as well, a bassinet. From the cradle he will speak. Some ulama, they say this is referring to the lap of his mother because the lap of the mother is the cradle for the child. This is where the child sleeps, this is where the child wakes up, this is where the child nurses. It's something the child lies on when they are nursing from their mother. Kahl, he will also speak to people in Kahl. Kahl means it's a point in a person's life where they reach their completion and their strength is now present. When a person becomes um, at their prime and they be, their, their, their power is present. That when the crop is at its, at its peak, it's now strong, it can stand on its own, it's ready for harvesting, they say, which means now the crop has reached its peak. So Isa spoke from the cradle, and after he spoke from the cradle, he then ceased to speak. He did not speak after that again. And then he spoke next as a normal child would speak when they gained that ability to speak. And he continued to speak while he was on the dunya, in the world. And when he returns back to the world, he will continue to speak, call people to Allah until he leaves and passes away. In the following verse, verse number 47, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when Maryam alayhi salam was granted these glad tidings that Allah is going to give her a child, and the child is going to be special, and these are characteristics of the child, she kind of had a freak out moment. She freaked out. She said, قالت, Rabbi, oh my Lord, anna yakunu li walad. How am I going to have a child? Walam yamsasni bashar. Walam aku baghiya. Lam amsasni basharun. Walam aku baghiya. No man has ever touched me and neither have I ever engaged in any inappropriate conduct. That no person in marriage or out of marriage ever touched me. So how am I going to have a child? Jibreel alayhi salam responded back, Allah creates whatever He wants to. When He decrees a matter, the only thing that needs to happen يَقُولُ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ He says be, and it happens. فَإِنَّ الْأَمْرَ بَيْنَ الْكَافِ وَالنُّونَ Before the word is even complete, the creation is complete. فَإِنَّ الْأَمْرَ بَيْنَ الْكَافِ وَالنُّونَ Before the word is even complete, Allah wills it. إِذَا أَرَاضَ شَيْئًا أَنْ يَقُولَ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ It comes into existence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says in verse number 48, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless him with al-kitab. Al-muradu min al-kitabi ta'alim al-khatti wal-kitaba. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that we will teach him how to write. 
We will teach him how to write. We will grant him wisdom. وَالْمُرَادُ بِالْحِكْمَةِ تَعْلِيمُ الْعُلُومِ وَتَهْذِيبُ الْأَخْلَاقِ لِأَنَّ كَمَارُ الْإِنسَانِ فِي أَنْ يَعْرِفَ يَعْرِفَ الْحَقَّ لِذَاتِهِ وَالْخَيْرَ لِأَجْرِ الْعَمْلِ بِهِ وَمَجْمُعُهُ هُوَ الْمُسَمَّى بِالْحِكْمَةِ That once you have the ability to write and read, now you need wisdom. Knowledge in itself isn't enough. You have to also gain some, you have to have wisdom as well. You know, it's cute and a little annoying as well. A little bit of both. When someone gains a lot of knowledge and they have no wisdom. Because they're so overzealous and they're so excited to share their knowledge. But it's so annoying because they constantly say things that make no sense. And end up causing so much harm along the way. Do you guys understand that? It's like a person in med school. They just about passed their MCAT and they see someone sneezing at a party. How long have you had this sneeze for? You're like... Back up, cowboy. It's the MCAT. You haven't done your USMLE yet, right? You need to step back a little bit. And they say, okay, tell me your back pain. Where is it starting from? Where is it going? Do you feel a little tingle sensation? So they're already diagnosing you. Now, someone, a person knows that diagnosing someone, in particular, misdiagnosing them, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's, it's awful. It's terrible. It's horrible. You know, in, in the Sharia, in Islam, they teach us, in particular, as a part of the etiquettes of giving fatwa. One of the books you read is Adab al-Ifta' wal istifta The etiquettes of giving an answer and the etiquettes of getting an answer. If you're a questioner, what are the etiquettes you should have? And as someone answering, what etiquettes you should have? One of the common things everyone writes, all the scholars in this, in this genre of writing, they all say, never ask someone about their problem, only answer if they ask you. There's only a fatwa if there is an istifta. You don't go around asking people, okay, tell me, how many times have you said talaq to your wife now? Why would you ask that? That's none of your business. Now, if that person comes to you and says, I gave talaq to my wife, I said divorce to my wife 1,000 times, what's the ruling? Now you have a problem. Okay? But you don't need to go around asking people, okay, tell me, what did you say? Tell me exactly what you said. Your nikah didn't count because you said nikah without the ha saying, without pronouncing the ha properly. Your talaq didn't count because you said talaq with a kaf and not talaq with a kaf. This is nonsense. You have to learn to gain some wisdom. I kid you not, when someone comes to me and says to me that I gave my wife three talaqs in one gathering, I don't give them the fatwa three talaqs equal to one. Even though I know it's a fiqhi position. Alhamdulillah. I've read the position, I'm aware of the proofs behind it. You know why? Because this sucker who has so little regard for his wife, forgive me, this moron who has so little regard for his wife that he gave her three talaqs in one gathering, you shouldn't give him a concession. You should tell the sister, let's get you, out, let's get you away from this guy. This guy's a little cuckoo, he's crazy. You know, oh, but Sheikh, you know there's another opinion. Well, that opinion doesn't apply to people that are crazy like you. And you're clearly manic. You're not sane. We need to take care of you. You know, and if they really insist, I tell them, man, I'm not even going to, first of all, I don't view that to be a valid position from a fiqhi perspective, but nonetheless, I do appreciate there are scholars who have held that position. And if there is a dire necessity for someone to uh, continue their marriage because of so many issues and they really regret it, you know, I tell them that, you know, I can't give the ruling because I don't hold this position. There's another scholar who holds that position that you can go to, but don't even go to that scholar unless you go through eight sessions of counseling first. And I tell that lady, if this guy doesn't go through eight sessions of counseling, he's not deserving of another fatwa. You tell him my fatwa. Which is what? Assalamu alaikum. 
it wasn't good while we were together, I want to enjoy my life moving forward. You have to have some hikmah, some wisdom too. As in Urdu we say, lakir ke fakir. Some people, all they can do is deal with the apparent and literal. They don't have depth to their knowledge. Well, hikmah. As parents, this is something we deal with all the time. Our children are growing up and knowing so much, but when it comes to wisdom, very far from it. Very far from it. They just don't appreciate wisdom. Learn to take wisdom from your elders. Being in denial of wisdom in and of itself is a sign that you need a lot of it. Thinking that you're 20 and 30, and I say this to myself, someone asked me, why don't you write a book? I said, not until I turn 40. Because even I don't know what nonsense I'm going to write today. Today I'll say something, tomorrow I'll have to regret it. So what's the point writing it in the first place? As for ilm, there are so many other ulama out there that know what they're doing, they know what they're writing, and Allah reward them, they can continue writing. Our du'as are with them, inshaAllah. So, wal-hikmah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, wal-tawrata. We've given you Torah. Torah was a book given to Musa salam that Banu Israel already followed. And it's as if Allah is telling Maryam that your son, he won't come with a whole new religion. He's going to continue the religion of Musa salam. But he's going to bring something new. He's going to bring the gospel. What Injil? There'll be a New Testament that comes with him too. And this new message of his will further beautify and will bring further clarity to the message given by Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu those verses continue. You can read them uh, in Surah Ali Imran. I want to jump to the verses of Surah Maryam. Because in Surah Maryam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks in even more detail regarding the story of Maryam alayhi salam giving birth to her beautiful, handsome, innocent son, Isa alayhi salam. Verses 16 all the way until verse, I think it's 40, let me just double check. Yes, verse 40. Verse 16 to verse 40. Uh, if you have a Quran in front of you, pull it open because we'll go through these verses one by one. They're very beautiful and such a beautiful message. You can also pull it up on your phone. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 16 of Surah Maryam, وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ Maryam," And remember and mention in the book, the story of Maryam. إِذِنْ تَبَذَتْ إِنْ تَبَذَ in the Arabic language means taraha, to throw something, to distance yourself from something. إِذِنْ تَبَذَتْ مِنْ أَهْلِهَا مَكَانًا She distanced herself from the people or she withdrew from her family مِنْ أَهْلِهَا from her people, from her family مَكَانًا شَرْقِيَّةً to a place towards east, in the eastern direction. Okay. Let's um, spend a few moments. First of all, I explained the word nabada. What does it mean to? Throw something away. They threw it behind their backs. They took the scripture that Allah gave them. They took the scripture that Allah gave them and they disregarded it. They threw it away. Nabada, to throw something away. Okay. Um, she went towards an eastern direction. Now, why did she go towards, where was she going and what was she doing? In the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, min dunihim hijaba. She placed between herself and them a veil, hijaban. 
Now, what was this veil for? What was she doing east? Where was she going? Some ulama, they say, that when she was going east, she went to a place that will later on be known as Beitul Laham or Bethlehem. This is where she gave birth to her son, Isa alayhi salam. Where was she going? Why was she going there? Some scholars, they say, she was going there because she was menstruating. And she wished to be away from the place of worship while she was in the state. And she wanted to continue to worship while in isolation. And she knew that she would need to thoroughly clean herself. And because the area where she was was predominantly occupied by men, she didn't feel comfortable being there. So she went away to an isolated area to bathe herself and to finish off the remaining period of her cycle. And it was in this period that she just finished her menstruation and she pulled a curtain between herself and the people to bathe herself, to, to wash herself when Jibreel came. Some scholars, they say that she just wanted to be in isolation. She just wanted to be alone. And the place of worship that she was in was very hustle bustle, very busy. So she went away from there to spend some time alone in worship. Some ulama, they say that she actually wanted to worship Allah on a mountain. So the barrier between her and her people was the mountain itself. That was the hijab, the barrier that she had between herself and the people. We sent to her our spirit. This spirit is referring to Jibreel Tamathala means to take the shape or form of something. So he took the shape for her, for her, laha, for her, basharan sawiya, a very normal human being, a very balanced human being. He came in the form of a human being in front of her. Why did he come in the form of a human being? The ulama, they say the reason was because had he seen her, had she seen him in the form of an angel, she wouldn't be able to comprehend what he was saying because she would be so shocked just by what was going on? She's looking at an angel. How is she going to intake the great message that, she's, that he's about to give her? Some ulama, by the way, they, another opinion I want to share. They say the reason why she went far away, she was very thirsty. So she went to get some water, went to fetch some water, and that's when this incident occurred. Now, how old was Maryam salam when this incident occurred? How old was Maryam salam? Ibn Abbas radiallahu an says, "Akhda Jibril alayhi salam." Actually, we'll quote Qurtubi first. This is a part of Ibn Abbas radiallahu an statement. But after that, Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi alayhi quotes Imam At-Tabari. Imam who? At-Tabari. قال At-Tabari وزعمت النصارى أن مريم حملت بعيسى ولها ثلاث عشرة سنة. Imam Tabari says that many Christians have claimed that when Maryam السلام, became pregnant with her child, at that time she was 13 years old. Waqila, and some of them have said that she was around 20 years old. Some say she was how old? Bintu Ishirin, she was 20 years old. The truth is that when it comes to the Quran and Hadith, we have no clear indication on how old she was when she conceived her son Isa alayhi salam. What happened? 
Jibreel came to her and informed her. When she saw Jibreel she immediately said, Inni a'udhu bir Rahman, in kunta taqiyya, that if you're a God-fearing person, step away from me, don't come close to me at all. He then said to her that Allah is going to bless you with a child. She said, as we read earlier, Lam yamsasni bashar, ay bi nikah, I never had any extramarital relations. What are you talking about? In another place in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَنَفَخْنَا فِيهَا مِنْ رُوحِنَا At this point, Jibreel alayhi salam blew into her. He blew onto her. And she conceived. Ibn Abbas radiallahu an says, أَخَذَ جِبْرِيلَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامُ رُدْنَ قَمِيسِهَا بِأُسْبُعِهِ فَنَخْبَغَ فِيهِ فَحَمَلَتْ مِنْ سَاعَتِهَا بِعِيسَى Jibreel alayhi salam held a piece of her garment, an opening of her garment, and he blew into it. Some say it was a collar, some say it was some pocket she had, maybe the base of the sleeve, it was an opening of her garment. He took it and he blew into it. And at that moment, Maryam salam became pregnant. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let's go back to the verses. He says, When she was terrified, when she saw this angel in front of her, she said, Inni rahmani minka in kunta taqiyya, that I seek refuge in the most merciful from you, if you should be fearing Allah. If you fear Allah, step away from me. Qala innama ana rasul rabbik. He said, I am only the messenger of your Lord. To give you news of a pure boy, your son will be very pure. He'll be very special. She said, how will I have a boy? While no man has ever touched me, no human being has ever touched me. Bashar, no human being. And neither have I engaged in any inappropriate discussion, any inappropriate action. I'm not even unchaste. I'm, I'm a very pure person. He said, thus Allah will do. قَالَ رَبُّكَ هُوَ عَلَيَّ هَيِّن Your Lord said, قَالَ رَبُّكَ Your Lord said, هُوَ عَلَيَّ هَيِّن That this giving you a child without the child having a father is a very easy affair for me. وَلِنَجْعَلَهُ آيَةً لِلنَّاسِ We will do this for Isa to make him a sign and symbol from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَرَحْمَةً مِنَّا And as a mercy from us to him. وَكَانَ أَمْرًا مَقْضِيَّا And this is a settled matter, this is a decreed matter, this is going to happen. فَحَمَلَتْهُ She became pregnant. She went far away. This faraway place that she went to, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, while commenting on this, he said, Ila aqsal wadi. She went to the farthest part of the valley. wadi bayt laham. It's the valley of Bayt Laham, which is today known as Bethlehem. Baynahu wa bayna iliya arba'atu amyal at a four mile distance. Wa innama ba'adat firaran min ta'yiri. Why did she go so far away? Why not stay at home? Because she knew the tongues of Banu Israel. She knew how vile and foul these people could be. And she knew what was coming. She was already overwhelmed with this experience. And now she would have to deal with the nonsense on Facebook and Twitter. She's like, you know what? I'm closing my accounts down. I'm going to dip for a bit. And she set aside uh, and she went far away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَأَجَاءَهَا الْمَخَاضُ إِلَىٰ جِذْعٍ نَخْلَ فَأَجَاءَهَا الْمَخَاضُ أَجَاءَ is if'al. المخاض, whatever that is, brought her to, جِذْع means a stump, a dry stump, or a dry base of a tree. جِذْع refers to the dry. سَاقُ النَّخْلَةِ الْيَابِسَةِ فِي الصَّحْرَةِ 
In a desert, when you have a dry tree, the base of it is called jither. Al-Makhad brought her to the dry base of a tree. And what kind of tree was it? Jidhin? Nakhla. What kind of tree was it? A palm tree. What does the word Makhad mean? Makhad refers to the pain that a woman experiences at the time of birth. Allahu Akbar. Maryam salam is alone in the desert. She's walking with her child and the pain increases. Maybe the contractions or maybe some other pain she experienced at that time. And she falls. The pain of that, the pain. That pain brought her to the stump of a tree and she fell down there. Um, at that point, she said, she was in such pain of delivery itself, such worry about what would happen next. She said, Ya laytani mittu qabla hadha, only if I had died before this. And my mention never existed. I was forgotten. I was forgotten in time. No mention at all. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran. Let's go back to the verses. Fanadaha min tahtiha Allah tahzani qadja'ala rabbuki tahtaki sariya. A voice came from under her. A voice came min tahtiha from under her. Some scholars have read this ayah as fanadaha man tahtaha. That this, a voice came to her from someone that was under her. Man is in the meaning of someone. Alladhi. Min means from. Either way, the meaning is still is the same. It doesn't really impact the meaning so much. Who was this person calling out to her? Majority of the Mufassirun say it was Jibreel What was he doing under her? They say that this tree that she was lying next to was on the base of a hill. It was a, not a base, it was on a hill. And Jibreel was standing at the bottom of the hill. Therefore, when he's speaking to her, he's speaking from down upwards. Fanadaha min tahtiha. What did he say to her? Allah tahzani, do not grieve. Qad ja'ala rabbuki tahtaki sariya. Your Lord has provided beneath you sariya. What does the word sariya mean? Some scholars have said the word sariya refers to a, a man with beautiful characteristics. Ya'ni Isa. This is referring to Isa. Qad ja'ala rabbuki tahtaki sariya. Allah has placed beneath you an honorable man, meaning Isa alayhi salam. وَالسَّرِيُّ مِنَ الرِّجَالِ مِنَ الرِّجَالِ الْعَظِيمُ الْخِصَالِ السَّيِّدُ Someone with great characteristics, a leader, that's a person that's called Khisal. Ibn Abbas عن, he, gave a, he gave another interpretation, and this is the most common interpretation, most tafsirs of the Qur'an, tafsir, if you open it, they'll translate it in line with the tafsir of Ibn Abbas عن. Ibn Abbas عن said, um, he said, كَانَ ذَلِكَ النَّهَرًا Sariya refers to a river actually. Because water flows in it, therefore it's called a river is called Sariya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded a river that had gone dry to flow for the sake of Maryam miraculously. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells her, Wahuzi ilayki bijidain nakhlati. Wahuzi. Huzi means to 
to shake. Bijidu'in-nakhla, we already covered that, the base of the tree. Tusaqit, alayki rutaban janiyya, it will cause fresh dates to fall on you. It will cause fresh dates to fall upon you. Now, a few points here. First of all, one group of scholars, they say, the, drapes, the dates falling on her was a miracle. The reason because it was a dry tree, and if dates, fresh dates are falling from a dry, dry tree, what does that mean? This is a miracle. Other scholars, they say, it wasn't a dry tree. The stump was weak in nutrients, but the tree was still growing crops. And this is the thing. Therefore, if the fruit was fresh, Isa salam couldn't have been born in December in winter. It must have been spring. And this is the exact opinion majority of academic Christian scholars hold. The academic research position, even amongst Christian scholars, is that Jesus, Isa salam, was not born in winter. He was not born in December. This is almost academically agreed upon as being incorrect and being a false claim. Majority of Muslims and Christian scholars are of the position that Isa salam was born in early, early spring. And the Qur'an also seems to be confirming this, that fresh fruit fell upon her by her shaking the tree. The second thing, why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling her to shake a tree? And she's so weak, she's pregnant at the time, she's probably aching, her body's probably hurting. You know, if you ever see a lady about to give birth or after giving birth, they can barely move themselves. Two people need to help them move, there's a nurse by their side. And yet Allah is telling her to shake the base of a tree. Why is that? This is the sunnah of Allah, the habit of Allah. That if you ever want something, you have to do something to get it. It's a reminder for us all that if you want success in life, no matter how broken you are, don't expect success to show up at your door. You're going to have to get out of that door first. You want to become wealthy, you're going to have to work first. You want to be successful, you're going to have to work on yourself. You want to find a good spouse, find a good companion in life, make yourself a better person first. If you want to accomplish something, you have to do something to get it. This is what it means to be reliant on Allah. Relying on Allah does not mean that you sit at home and say, money is going to show up in my bank. That's not relying on Allah, this is safaha, this is stupidity. Relying on Allah means you do your part, now you rely on Allah. That by Allah will take care of me. As Musa salam did when he took care of the animals of the people. He then relied on Allah, and by evening he had an invitation to dinner. The next day, or next few days he's married, you know, everything began to fall into place and now that reliance of Allah, on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala paid off. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the next verse, فَكُلِي وَاشْرَبِي وَقَرِّعِينَ So eat from these dates. وَاشْرَبِي Drink from the river. وَقَرِّعِينَ And bring coolness to your eyes with your child. This is all you need. Allah blessed you with a child. Allah gave you to eat. Allah gave you to drink. There's nothing else you need. And if tomorrow someone comes to you, you see a person, and they decide to engage with you and scold you and make fun of you, imagine how sad Maryam must have been at that time, just thinking of what was next, how emotionally broken down she must have been, that Allah says to her, Allah tahzani, don't be sad. And Allah says to her that tomorrow when you see people, فَإِمَّا تَرَيِّنَّ مِنَ الْبَشَرِ أَحَدًا فَقُولِي إِنِّي نَظَرْتُ لِلرَّحْمَانِ صَوْمًا فَلَنْ أُكَلِّمَ الْيَوْمَ إِنْسِيَّةً Tomorrow when you see people and they decide to pounce on you and go monkey on you and start scolding you and shouting at you, your job is to tell people that I have taken an oath 
that I am fasting today, therefore I will not speak today to anyone. فَلَنْ أُكَلِّمَ الْيَوْمَ إِنْ I won't speak to any person. The next day comes. فَأَتَتْ بِهِ قَوْمَهَا تَحْمِلُ The next day comes. She comes to her people carrying her child. When the people see the child, naturally we as human beings, whenever we see something, we have no choice but to assume the worst. Right? We always assume the worst in everything. You know, someone is struggling, we assume that they're corrupted or they're sinners or they're being punished by Allah. We always assume the worst. So what did Banu Israel do? They also assumed the worst in this lady. You've come with a great thing. What is this? Ya Ukta Harun, O sister of Harun, your father was not a bad man. Her father was a very righteous man, as we covered before. Imran was a pious man. Your mother was not an inappropriate or immoral lady either. She knew it was coming, but at that moment she broke down. She must have cried and cried and cried after hearing all of this. What did she do? She pointed towards her child. Before we go there, let's step back. They said to her, Ya Ukhta Harun. What did they say to her? Ya Ukhta Harun, oh, the sister of Aaron. Harun, Aaron. Ya Ukhta Harun. Why did they call her Ya Ukhta Harun? She, Harun refers to the Prophet of Allah, Harun salam, the brother of Musa salam, and clearly she was not the sister of Harun because between the two were centuries, hundreds of years, so how can she be the sister of Harun? Many Christians, they read this verse and they poke fun at the inconsistency of the Qur'an. So there are many explanations for the statement, Ya Ukhta Harun. فَقِيلَ هُوَ هَارُونَ أَخُو مُوسَى Some scholars they say, yes, this is the brother of Musa. So now how can Maryam السلام, be the brother of Harun? So they say, وَالْمُرَادُ مَنْ كُنَّا نَظُنُّهَا مِثْلُ هَارُونَ فِي الْعِبَادَةِ تَأْتِي بِمِثْلِ هَذَا You are someone that we consider to be like Harun, Ukhta Harun meaning like Harun, a sister of Harun. I can say for example, you know, she's a very intelligent person. She's a very intelligent person. I say, Zoya, you're the sister of Fusayna. That doesn't mean that she's her sister. Oh, sister of Fusayna. No offense, Asana. Uh, oh, sister of Fusayna. Her sister, her twin sitting right next to her. She's like, yeah, I'm the sister right here. <laughs> oh, sister of Fusayna. I say that to her because she's always learning Arabic like she's always learning Arabic. Do you guys understand? It's a common usage in the Arabic language. We knew Harun to be a pious person. You were a pious person. So we considered you just like Harun. Because Harun salam was known for his ibadah. Maryam salam was also known for her ibadah. Therefore they referred to her as Ya Ukhta Harun. Some ulama they say that she was called Ya Ukhta Harun, the sister of Harun, because her lineage went back to Sayyidina Harun salam. Therefore she is being called that. Someone would say, but then why call her the sister of of Harun, if her lineage goes back there. And again, this is common usage in the Arabic language. A person who belongs to the Tamimi tribe, you call that person, Oh, brother of Tamim, which is equivalent to saying, Tamimi, Oh, person who belongs to so and so tribe. Simplified, it's common usage in the Arabic language. The second thing, 
Some say this is not Harun السلام, the Prophet of Allah. This is another person whose name was Harun. And this, they say this was a brother that she shared from her father. Her father from another marriage had a son whose name was Harun. Therefore, she is being referred to as Harun. Another thing some scholars say, This name Harun was actually very common in Banu Israel because he was a pious person. People would name their children after pious people. Therefore, it wasn't unknown that people would name their child. Like if I said to you, O daughter of Muhammad, that doesn't mean you're the daughter of Muhammad the Prophet of Allah. You're a daughter of a man whose name is Muhammad. Is that unlikely that we have a son of Muhammad, the daughter of Muhammad sitting in this gathering right now? Are there any, anyone here whose father's name is Muhammad? <clears throat> Alhamdulillah, Jazakallah Khairan. Another one back there, Jazakallah Khairan. We have Bint Muhammad and Ibn Muhammad here too. Two different Muhammads by the way. MashaAllah. Waqila, some say, Harun hadha rajulun salihun fi dhalika zaman. Tabi'a janazatahu yawma mata arba'una alfan kulluhum ismuhu Harun. They say that the Harun was a man who was a pious pe- person of that time. The day he died, 40,000 people attended his janazah and all of their names were Harun too. Meaning a lot of people in that congregation were known as Harun. This was a common name. Therefore, there is no um, discussion. Qatada says, كَانَ فِي ذَلِكَ الزَّمَانِ فِي بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ عَابِدٌ مُنْقَطِعٌ إِلَى اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ يُسَمَّ هَارُونَ فَنَسَبُوهَا إِلَىٰ أُخُوَّتِهِ مِنْ حَيْثُ كَانَتْ عَلَىٰ طَرِيقَتِهِ قَبْلِ That there was a man who had left, led his life in monasticism, just worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And since Maryam salam was just like him, in her worship they referred to her as Ukhta Harun. I'm going to share two narrations on this issue before we move forward. One narration that Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi alayhi quotes. Actually, Fakhruddin al-Razi quotes this. Fakhruddin al-Razi says, قَالَ كَعْبَ الْأَحْبَارِ بِحَضْرَةِ عَائِشَةِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا أُمِّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ That one day Kaab al-Ahbar was sitting in front of Aisha رضي الله عنها, the wife of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, إِنَّ مَرْيَمْ لَيْسَتْ بِأُخْتِ هَارُونَ أَخِي مُوسَى He said to her, that Maryam was not the, brother, not the sister of Harun, who was the brother of Musa alayhi salam. فَقَالَتْ لَهُ عَائِشَةَ كَذَبْتَ She said, you're a liar. You've spoken a falsehood. فَقَالَ لَهَا يَا أُمِّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِنْ كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالَهُ فَهُوَ أَصْدَقُ وَأَخْبَرُ If Nabi وسلم said this, if Nabi وسلم in the commentary of this verse said that Maryam was the brother of Harun who was the brother of? Maryam was the sister of Harun who was the brother of? Musa. Then he spoke the truth and I have no objection anymore. But did he say that? وَإِلَّا فَإِنِّي أَجِدُ بَيْنَهُمَا مِنَ الْمُدَّةِ because I find in history there is at least a 600 year gap between the two. So now Aisha radiallahu anha fasakatat. She went quiet. Because she did not hear this interpretation of this verse from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Similarly, number two. Wa fi Sahih Muslim, the narration is in Sahih Muslim. An al-Mughira bin Shu'ba radiallahu anha. He says, I came to Najran. Lamma qadimtu Najran. I told you guys about Najran. Highly populated by Christian folks. He said, I came to Najran, سَأَلُونِي فَقَالَ إِنَّكُمْ تَقْرَأُونَ يَا أُخْتَ هَارُونَ He said, they came to me, Mughira bin Shu'ba is a companion. The people came to me and they said, you guys read in your Quran, O sister of Harun, وَمُوسَى قَبْلَ عِيسَى بِكَذَا وَكَذَا Musa السلام, and Isa had hundred years between them and this is common knowledge. So how can she be the brother of Harun? 
Mughir ibn Shu'ba says, I came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and I asked him about this. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يُسَمُّونَ بِأَنْبِيَائِهِمْ وَالصَّالِحِينَ قَبْلَهُمْ That they would name their children after righteous people and pious people. Therefore this Harun was someone named after a Harun. It's not referring to Harun, Akhu Musa, the brother of Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. I'm clearing this issue up because it's a point of contention and so that way we can be done with this. يَا أُخْتَ هَارُونَ مَا كَانَ أَبُوكِ مْرَأَ صَوْءٍ وَمَا كَانَتْ أُمُّكِ بَغِيَّةٍ What happened then? فَأَشَارَتْ إِلَيْهِ She pointed towards her little one. قالوا, they said, كَيْفَ نُكَلِّمُ مَنْ كَانَ فِي الْمَهْدِ صَبِيَّةٍ How can we speak to one that is in a cradle and is a baby? He can barely lift his finger. How is he going to talk to us? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us at that moment what happened. The Mufassirun, they write, كَانَ عِيسَى عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ يَرْضَعُ فَلَمَّا سَمِعَ كَلَامَهُمْ تَرْكَ الرَّضَاعَةِ تَرَكَ الرَّضَاعَةِ وَأَقْبَالَ عَلَيْهِمْ بِوَجْهِهِ وَاتَّكَى عَلَى يَسَارِهِ وَأَشَارَ إِلَيْهِمْ بِسَبَابَةِ الْيُمْنَةِ وَقَالَ إِنِّي عَبْدُ اللَّهِ آتَانِيَ الْكِتَابِ وَجَعَلَنِي نَبِيًّا and he said, Inni Abdullah Ataniel Kitab Wajalani Nabiya. He introduced himself, he introduced his reality. Tomorrow no one should say, I am the Son of God, I am God, Inni Abdullah. The first thing he says is his reality. Then he talks about what makes him special, the knowledge he comes with. Ataniel Kitab, God has given me a book. What is his responsibility? Wajalani Nabiya. Allah's gift upon him, وَجْعَلَنِي مُبَارَكًا أَيْنَمَا كُنْتْ Allah has made me blessed wherever I am. Allah's commands to me, وَأَوْصَانِي بِالصَّلَاةِ وَالزَّكَاةِ مَا دُمْتُ حَيَّةِ He commands me to give charity and to pray for as long as I live. His character was such, وَبَرَّمْ بِوَالِدَتِي Obedient to my mother, وَلَمْ يَجْعَلْنِي جَبَّارًا شَقِيَّةِ Not an oppressor or an immoral person. And then, his plea to Allah, وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيَّ يَوْمَ وُلِدْتُ وَيَوْمَ أَمُوتُ وَيَوْمَ أُبْعَثُ حَيَّةِ May peace be upon me. The day I was born, the day I will die, and the day I will be resurrected. In verse 34, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, ذَلِكَ عِيسَى بْنُ مَرْيَمْ That was Isa the son of Maryam. قَوْلَ الْحَقِّ The word of truth, الَّذِي فِيهِ يَمْتَرُونَ That in which they dispute. مَا كَانَ لِلَّهِ أَنْ يَتَّخِذَ مِنْ وَلَدٍ It is not befitting for Allah to take a son. Subhana, exalted is he. إِذَا قَضَى أَمْرًا When he decrees an affair, فَإِنَّمَا يَقُولُ لَهُ He only has to say, كُنْ بِي فَيَكُونَ So it is. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ رَبِّي وَرَبُّكُمْ فَعْبُدُوهُ Isa alayhi salam said, Indeed, Allah is my Lord and your Lord, so worship Him. هَذَا صُرَاتٌ مُسْتَقِيمٌ This is the straight path. فَاخْتَلَفَ الْأَحْزَابُ مِنْ بَيْنِهِمْ So the groups then disputed amongst themselves. فَوَيْلٌ لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا So woe be to those who disbelieve. مِنْ مَشْهَدِ يَوْمٍ عَظِيمٍ From the scene of a great day, a tremendous day. أَسْمِعْ بِهِمْ وَأَبْصِرْ how clearly will they hear and how clearly will they see? The day they come to us. 
But however, the oppressors today, fi mubin, are in clear misguidance. And warn them, O Muhammad of the day of regret, because that day reality will manifest itself, and those that are in wrong and denial the Quran will regret their wrong. Warn them of the day of regret when the, uh, uh, when the matter will be concluded and settled and yet they are in a state of heedlessness and they do not believe Indeed it is we who will inherit the earth and whoever is on it everything on it belongs to Allah and to us they will return. This is the story of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam's miraculous birth and a brief introduction to who Sayyida Maryam alayhi salam was. With that we'll conclude here. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us the ability to understand these very powerful verses of the Qur'an and to be people who follow the footsteps of these great prophets. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give our youth the chastity of Maryam alayhi salam, the patience of Maryam alayhi salam, the ibadah and devotion of Maryam alayhi salam. May he grant us the ability to gain knowledge like he gave to Isa alayhi salam. May he give us the ability to be punctual on our responsibilities as Isa alayhi salam was. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to live a life in peace, die in peace, and be resurrected in peace as well. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.